Hey there, this is Brett Stewart. A quick message before the first Jukebox Roundtable. A shout out to our sponsor. Shows like this would not be possible without them. That is Plectone, P-L-E-C-T-O-N-E. You can visit them at their website, Plectone.com, and they produce the Double Pulse Pick, which is a fantastic pick that combines two picks into one with the soft coupler in the middle. It's really innovative. It's fun to play. They now have multiple versions of the pick. Check them out. Thanks so much, everybody, and enjoy the show. You've got the jukebox. You're listening to the Jukebox Roundtable, hosted by Brett Stewart. Release the energy to kill this new form. Steam to take us to our next home. Seeds of life to start a new dawn. Catch a spirit and ride. Catch a spirit and ride. Catch a spirit and fly. This is Brett Stewart, and you are listening to the very first Jukebox Roundtable. I have some very special guests with me, so what we're going to do is we're going to get into them, their music, and we're going to talk about a lot of really fun topics uh, to kick this off. What this segment is supposed to be is a extension of the main show that allows us to delve into topics with musicians and fellow podcasters that have a broader spectrum of the community building here on the Jukebox Podcast. So I want to introduce both of my guests this evening, and I'll let both of them speak because this is an audio podcast, so I want to make sure everyone knows whose voice is whose. Why don't we start with Matt Stein of Galactic Netcasts. He is the host of the podcast The Terror, a show about horror films, TV shows, video games, attractions, and anything else scary. He's also the drummer of the Milwaukee metal band Drown the Lifeguard. Thanks for being with us, Matt. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be doing this. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, uh, where you're at, what you're doing, all that good stuff. Oh, boy. Uh, if you ask my wife, I'm never home. So <laughs> uh, like you said, I do the podcast Terror. It's a weekly horror-based uh, podcast. We do video and audio, but the audio always sounds better. Um, basically been a lot of movies lately, but uh, once Halloween comes around and uh, we'll start doing video games and attractions. Uh, also play the drums in a band called Drown the Lifeguard which is uh, a phoenix from the ashes of a Milwaukee band called The Sky and the Execution. Uh, we finally, after many years of, of uh, hardship, I guess you could say, we're uh, playing shows and are actually recording later this summer, too. Very, very cool. And then our second guest is Alex Hodawanek, creator of the popular Yeezer remix from last year, which mixed Kanye West and Weezer together. He's also an artist and a designer. Hey, Alex, how you doing? Hey, what's up, Brett? Uh, good to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. So why don't you let everybody know where you're from, what you're doing, what your uh, music and your art is all about. Um, sure. So uh, I'm Alex. I'm from Pittsburgh. Uh, I don't know. I, I like just doing really anything music or art related. Um, do mashups, make uh, hip hop beats, sometimes dabble in uh, some more traditional rock music, alternative, wherever genre you want to define it as uh but really i see myself more of a uh, as an artist or a designer uh mainly just do 
caricatures and drawings of musicians, people, just weird stuff. So I don't know. Uh, just really kind of do a bunch of different random things. Uh, who knows what I could be doing next. Very cool. So just to let the audience know, what you have done prior to this is Yeezer, which I which I, I mentioned. But Yeezer was, uh, you took all the best of Kanye West and a whole lot of Weezer, and you just kind of matched them together in this remarkable remix that, uh, I mean, being modest, you you get, that was a big deal, right? <laughs> like Weezer, yeah. Weezer tweeted this thing out. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it, it's really crazy. Uh, I mean, thank you. Uh, it, it, it definitely caught it on a lot more than I thought would be uh, possible. Um, but weirdly enough, uh, I've never like, in my day-to-day life, no one ever really brings it up to me. No one really cares or knows. Maybe it's just because they know who I am and they just, you know, <laughs> know the, the real person's a lot more underwhelming than the uh, whatever the uh, people online are trying to, like, paint me as. But, yeah, definitely uh, caught on a lot of uh, reactions, uh, some good, some positive. Okay, great. And we actually have another podcaster who just hopped in with us. Hi, Jansen. How you doing? But now I almost threw my computer through the window, but we're, we got it now. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you're on. It is a pleasure to have you. We got a little bit of echo from you. Do you have, uh, headphones, you have uh, headphones on? Um, hold on. How's that? Much better. Okay, there we go. Okay, there we go. Okay, okay. so what we're doing is we're introducing the, uh, the guests that we have here. So why don't we introduce you? We have Jansen Harris of Dimension 9. He is a multi-instrumentalist who specializes in instrumental rock and roll with sci-fi and video game influence. How you doing, man? Hey, what's up, guys? It is a pleasure to have you on. We're glad you could hop in. Hey, man. Thank you very much. This is really awesome. I'm uh, super excited to get to talk to new people and uh, you know make new friends. Absolutely. So let's just let people know who you are and where you're from tell us a little bit about yourself uh i come from the andromeda galaxy and i crashed here about two billion years ago and they found me in a no i'm kidding (laughs) i was actually (laughs) i was born in um wilkesbury pennsylvania in 1979 september 11th and um that well that's about it all right and the music (laughs) you make sounds like you came from the andromeda galaxy right (laughs) Yes, I hope so. That's the the direction I'm aiming. Right, because you're very much influenced by retro video games, aren't you? Yeah, all, all video games, but um, some of the generation, you know, the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. Okay, so we are great. All right, so now we're moving back into the show. We are going to talk about the albums that are currently on our minds. What I want to do here on the Jukebox Roundtable is have general discussions about music and then more specific discuss- discussions. So this is where we're going to talk about, I want to open up the floor to each of you to talk about what music you are currently listening to, what's exciting for you, what are you spending a lot of time with. Uh, why don't we start with Alex? What are you listening to right now? Um, so, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I've been listening to the uh, new Chance the Rapper uh, mixtape that came out, I don't know, a week or two ago, uh, Coloring Book. Uh, not my favorite album in the planet, but uh, I really liked it for what it was. Uh, also been listening to, uh, it's kind of older, uh, from 2006, uh, Joanna Newsom's uh, Ease, Wise, however uh, we feel like pronouncing it. Uh, I've always just had it like in my uh, iTunes library, but it's never really uh, clicked with me until recently. So 
now I'm just kind of feeling it out, enjoying it. Uh, it's one of those albums I think it really just kind of grows on you. And the more you listen to it, the more you kind of peel back the uh, the intricacies and the the real, I guess, beauty, not to sound pretentious, but the real beauty of the record, I guess. Right. Now, Chance the Rapper, that uh, was released for free. He put that mixtape out for free, as he has done many times in the past. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, let's open that up everyone what what are your guys' thoughts of an artist releasing music like that completely entirely for free oh i i think that's definitely the uh the way music will be consumed and uh produced from now on uh i i i think a lot of people for better or for worse kind of devalue the uh the worth of music and the uh people aren't really as interested in like buying albums now or like you know purchasing music it's really about streaming and uh plays uh through like you know apps like spotify or apple music or what have you so i think at this point you might as well just release this music for free and try to get the revenue from legitimate uh real plays as opposed to people just immediately instead pirating the music or listening to on youtube or you know uh people devalue music now so you might as well try to evolve with the model instead of trying to just cement yourself in an antiquated way that i'd say that most of society has kind of moved on past right what do you guys spot on spot on with that um i think i yeah he was he was dead on with that i um i i release all my stuff for free if somebody sends me money that's awesome but i mean it's not my motivation for it and um i i guess the kind of music i do i i could do live technically um but i'm i'm actually happy i'm actually not in any bands as of right now i'll I'll get into that later it's not a bad thing um but i completely agree with like i don't really care if you like i don't like he said about devaluing he's right about that like you shouldn't like it's it's almost like the more you sell the better you are is what society considers you and that's like nothing can be further from the truth because i mean mozart's dead you know and his music's still alive and is played longer and more than like anyone's i mean that's just an example but um but at the same time it would also weed out the weak i say like it would it would actually get to the the true art form of music. Not, not that everything has to be a hundred percent like like brand new and artistic. Cause I listen to everything and I mean, I'm forced to listen to the radio eight hours a day and they change the station every two hours. And all I hear is just the same Bruce Springsteen, the same kiss, like the same songs over and over. And I'm like, these bands must just, they, they have no idea like that. The world is playing it like this. And then when they go to play it live, people are like oh i've already heard this a million times or i've seen this 20 years ago and the bands are like oh well you know we don't listen to the radio every day we don't know what's going right. on so it's it seems like it's more of the media's fault for it much like a lot of things okay but, so yeah. so you're saying that uh when we have a popular music scene that gets inundated by uh playing the hits 24-7 on radio all the time we forget what some of the artistry of it and maybe we lose some of that magic and that's yeah. why when we have someone like chance who comes out and says here's my entire record for free take it take it for whatever it's worth to you that's kind of yeah. different what do you think matt 
I agree. Uh, Run the Jewels did it with their past two and their soon to be third record. Um, I take it from a standpoint of I want to hear the music and then I want to see it live. I, I live for live performance. I play in a band simply to play live. Don't care if anyone shows up, but that's what I want to do. So I think if you can release your music and get your music out there, the money is made at concerts. And right through merch, merchandise yep. sales there's no Touring, money in yeah. record sales anymore and i mean those guys put out a cd and then they tour nonstop, and and they have everything you can think of in terms of merch and and they they got to be doing pretty good you know so they, someone started a kickstarter raised 50 grand just to have them remix an album with cat sounds instead of beats <laughs> that's, so you're doing awesome. something right yeah yeah, that's 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 what it's all about. Like, make it off of the work touring because, as as you guys all know, we're all in bands and play. Like, recording is hard, but it's not as hard as touring. Like, no, nowhere no. near. You know, recording's cheap now. Like, you can oh, do yeah. it in your basement and sound just as good as someone dropping fifty grand in a studio. Yeah. Yep. And that that wasn't always the case. But to to the normal person, like they don't understand that there's, you know, selling a record. Oh, oh yeah! I bought this record for fifteen dollars. The band gets all fifteen dollars. No, they get like forty-seven mm, cents, they, and everyone yeah. and their mother gets a cut of it. And, and the right. people just don't get it, and yeah, it sucks. Yeah. But it is what it is. And as an artist, if you are someone like Chance who says, "Here's my music, all for free," uh, and then come to my shows, buy my T-shirts, buy mm-hmm. buy it on vinyl when it comes out, if you are into that, uh, and support me that way. Uh, that is perhaps more beneficial for the artist than let's take Kanye. Kanye is an artist that Chance has worked with and they have a good relationship. Kanye's on this new album. Uh, Kanye shoots himself in the foot by putting out an album that is exclusively available on a service that no one wants to use and then it gets pirated uh, half a million times and somehow he's surprised. So (laughs) I think for an artist, it, it is more beneficial for you to promote goodwill with your fan base and not attempt to you, you know push them into a service they don't want to be a part of or consume your music in a way that they don't want to consume it. Chance is just saying, here it is. Listen to it on whatever you want. Load it up oh, on yeah. a Zoom if you want. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I feel like that. The, the Kanye move was him thinking he's bigger than he is or he's bigger than <laughs> yeah. the man. No. Um, totally. You know, I guess, I guess as the, uh, the local Kanye expert, uh, you know, I... I <laughs> I, I love Kanye. He's my dude. But I do too. Dude, that is definitely. I'm. I, I can't be one of those people. that's like everything he does is genius. It's revolutionary. Recently, it's been kind of just annoying me. He's done a lot of stupid moves. Uh, definitely, just like this whole title thing and like just the exclusivity of it. Like exclusivity of it. It it doesn't benefit anyone. And as someone who constantly is preaching about, you know, I just want to make music for everybody. You know, everyone should have access to it or just in general, like I want everyone to have clothing for, you know, designer labels for everybody having music. And it's the serious trend. I think in music right now, having exclusive music for certain like, uh, streaming services will probably kill the industry one way or another, just because it's creating a divide. It's creating that doesn't need to be there. Music, at least in my opinion, is one of the most universal art forms in the world. Oh, it yeah. doesn't make sense to limit it to this. Like, if you're not subscribed to my stupid business, then you can't listen to this. <laughs> or if you're not subscribed to mine, oh, right it's so on. goofy. Right. right on. And title right on. is and the weird thing about weird thing about Kanye. We won't devolve into Kanye them because it's easy for a podcast to do that. Yeah, but uh, but like. 
he was on Ellen a couple, you know, a couple nights ago, and and then later Colbert made fun of him and a couple others, where he's talking about how uh, you're right. I want to change the world. Everybody needs to be wearing designer labels, but I'm going to do it through. Uh, uh, I want to work with the guy that that runs Payless, so he can have Kanye Yeezus shoes at Payless. That way, the yeah. masses can buy his shoes. And this is more important than global warming and all these things that he's <laughs> saying on that show. Uh, yeah. And that. Feeds into a guy who is going to uh, make this music more difficult to get than it needs to be. So anyway, I think it's cool chances doing that. Uh, sounds like yeah. this is something you guys would be on board with doing as well with your music. Yeah, oh yeah. I, yeah. May, may I say something with that? Of the, course. The Kanye thing. Um, it, it's you, you, um, I don't know which one he said about limiting yourself, but I totally agree. Uh, this is Jansen. Sorry, I completely agree with like um, you shouldn't limit yourself to one label one media one you should be able to like if you want it stream for free have it stream for free if you want it sold you could put it somewhere to be sold I, there are people out there that do still buy like really still buy cds and dvds i mean that dvd sales and cd sales are dropped a lot like with like 10 years ago but they kind of came back up a little bit but they were always kind of low the only reason that they're lower now is because we have more access of the internet and stuff, which I honestly I'm I'm cool with. I mean, if I'm I, I have a project with a guy from Japan and Norway now, and that would have never happened without the internet, and I would have never met them. And they're like my best friends. I talk to them like I talk to my girlfriend. I, it's awesome. Like we share photos and talk about what we ate, and it, it's like a friendship. <laughs> so it's like I, I I don't know. I love it. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and so I thank the internet for that, and it's a. Uh, it's like I told Brent on a, the podcast a while ago. It's a tool, and it's not the only one. And I think you should have a Swiss Army knife when it comes to like art. You know, you should you should utilize anything you possibly can to get yourself to whatever kind of crowd you want. Because some people don't want a crowd. I don't know who, but I know <laughs> there are some people. Like I love playing live. My goodness, I go nuts. <laughs> but um. Right. I also like just calm down playing in a bedroom with people or like an open mic, it, you know, anywhere that I can plug in whatever instrument I'm playing and, and make people happy and, and make them feel good about their day. You've succeeded as an artist. You know, I think that's the whole point of us is to make yeah. non-artists feel like artists. Yeah. <laughs> right. I agree. So let's open up the floor to you, Jansen. What are you currently listening to? What what has got you hooked right now? Oh my. Um well I oh I guess I'll start with the recording. I, I'm redoing uh, I can't actually say what I'm redoing. I'll have to type it to you guys because it's a surprise for my girlfriend. You'll see it online, Brent. Uh I'll upload it on May 30th on her birthday. But uh as far as what I'm listening to a lot of Final Fantasy battle themes and um, Hiromi uh, Yuihara. Uh, she's a Japanese pianist, jazz pianist, and it's just it's all instrumental. But and a lot of people like they hear piano and they're like, yeah, it's it's piano. But she does some really cool things. Like she puts like metal rulers inside of the grand piano and makes this weird effect with it. And she's got like a trio band. It's like a little bit progressive. It's a little bit rock and, and some of it's just odd but she's really inspired me and i've at this i don't mean to sound arrogant with this i've never had a musical idol before i've always just liked a lot of people but i actually idolize this person i'm like i would drop what i was doing and and i don't know however many miles i'd have to go to see her live i would definitely do 
And I've never felt that way about anyone before. I'm usually just like, oh, hopefully they come around and I'll go. But Does she have a specific record you would recommend listeners go and check out if they want to listen to her? Time Control. Time Control. Okay, yeah. can you give yeah. her name one more time? Hiromi Yurihara. Yurihara. Okay, very cool. So quick yeah. question for you in regard to your answer. Uh, I don't want to get down into this too much, but there is a new Final Fantasy game coming out. Uh, are you excited oh, yeah. for the music for that? Is that something you're excited for to see if they continue what you love about that series musically? Yeah. I, um, the, the last ones after Nobu stopped writing music for them, with the exception of A Realm Reborn, which I didn't play, but I listened to. <laughs> okay. Um, is uh actually the the singer is from Chicago. Uh, All right, Susan. Oh, what the hell is her name? Oh my goodness, I can't think of her name. Conway, Susan Conway. Okay, very cool. Oh, she's a very very popular singer, but uh, she she did a song called Answers, and it's just amazing. And uh, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to the the soundtrack. The the game itself looks cool, and uh, yeah, I, I've, I've enjoyed every single Final Fantasy since the very first one, all the way up until. Uh, what, what are they up to 15 now? <laughs> yeah, they're up to uh, like 15 or 16. I don't even yeah, know. I'm very, old. <laughs> very cool. Okay, so let's let's turn it over to Matt then. What are you listening to? He, a lot of stuff, man. Um, I've been really into the new Era album, which is called Drift. Uh, they got a new singer, so it's a little softer than their older stuff. Uh, Graf Orlock's newest one, Crime Traveler. And Noah Gunderson's what is it called? Carry the Ghost, I believe. Okay, very cool. Yeah, cool. yeah Carry the Ghost. Yeah, yeah. I, that's I have like I have a sad sack folk jam playlist. Okay. And then I also listen to things that people don't understand why I listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Very cool. So if you were to recommend something for listeners to go check out right now, what do you think that would be? Oof. Do I want to offend them? <laughs> <laughs> um. I don't know, man. If you're into heavy music, uh, Enterprise Earth, Patient Zero is um, just insane. And they, they made a new way to make uh, obnoxious, obnoxiously heavy interesting. Very cool. Very, very cool. All right. Well, I'll, I'll drop my hat in the ring here before we move on. Uh, what I have been listening to the most as a, a diehard Dylan fan, I love Bob Dylan so much, even though he sounds like shit now. Um, <laughs> I still, Aww. I still love him. I still love him. And his new album came out last week. It's called Fallen Angels, and I would really recommend checking it out. Uh, it is very, very good. He's in this stage where he's just, you know, playing uh, Sinatra tracks basically, and he's going through these very bizarre but uh, hauntingly beautiful arrangements of him uh, taking big band sounds that Sinatra championed and saying, how can I reduce this to its barest elements to make it work for a voice like mine? Because if you've heard Dylan in the last decade, or quite frankly, the last two decades, you know that his voice has gotten uh, very heavily affected over the years. And this is something yeah. we'll talk about in the, in the new segment. Uh, so, but he works with it and that's the thing you have guys like Dylan, like Leonard Cohen, like Tom Waits who have these gravelly voices or these, you know, um, not traditionally acceptable voices, but they do interesting things with them. And with fallen angels, he's really done that. And I laud him for that. And I'm actually going to go see him next month with, and he's opening with, a. With Mavis Staples of the Staples Singers. Oh, nice. And Mavis is my nice. personal hero. I 
I would, I would do, I love Mavis so much. It's, it's ridiculous. She is just so wonderful. So I couldn't be more excited for that tour. Um, but I would recommend checking that out listeners or, or you guys, if you guys are into that sort of thing, it's quite good. So Neat. now moving on, this actually ties in the Dylan nicely. I wanted to talk a little bit about this desert trip show that's going to be happening. It's at the site <laughs> of Coachella in October for two weekends. It has been finally referred to as Old Cella because the op- the acts are the first night is the Rolling Stones and Bob Dylan. The second night is Paul McCartney and Neil Young. And the band backing Neil Young is the Promise of Real, which is actually Willie Nelson's kid. Uh, Sunday night, Roger Waters of Pink Floyd and The Who. Uh, it sold out so quickly. It was a complete mess with ticket sales. Now they're reselling <laughs> them for fifteen thousand dollars a ticket, and uh, oh, oh, it's a complete, <laughs> wow. it's an utter mess. And so I think this is fascinating because do you think this show is actually going to be any good? Do you, do you guys think this would deliver? Who wants who wants to start? Like, uh, uh, I can just go. Go ahead. Um, I I think it will be good. A thousand dollars, good. A thousand six hundred dollars, no. I don't. <laughs> that's that's. I think it's a little extreme, just personally. Um, I I saw Paul McCartney five years ago, six years ago, and I mean, granted, you know, that's that's a significant amount of time where things do change. But even for someone who's in his sixties, seventies, one of the best concerts I've ever been to. Amazing performer. And I think it really is just a statement of the generation where those artists grew up, where performing for long shows was kind of just more of an expectation of them as performers. So I think that's still, even in their old age, I think that still carries over. I, like, for example, at the uh, Paul McCartney concert, it was like three hours long. Right. Dude doesn't even like take a sip of water the entire time, which oh, is just nice. like. I mean, maybe maybe something has to do with that veganism. The meatless know, Mondays. Uh, yeah, maybe, <laughs> yeah. Maybe he has uh, some superpowers. We. Uh, oh, I, I don't uh, think it's disputed are, that Paul McCartney has superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, so I think uh, that's just insane. And I could just imagine a show where artists of that similar caliber just uh, all play back to back would be amazing. Now, in terms of the actual performances themselves, I don't know. I've never heard a good story about Bob Dylan performing <laughs> in the past like 10 years. Yeah. Same goes for yeah. Neil Young. I mean, Roger Waters, my understands, not nearly as badly crippled. Uh, the Who, I don't know. Rolling Stone, I hear, I hear they bring the energy, but the uh, actual performances are kind of lackluster, which I guess is probably a good way to describe most of the acts, but... Right. Personally, I'm not. I'm not super in love with the Rolling Stones or Roger Waters or uh, the Who. I like Paul McCartney. I like Neil Young. So I mean, like, I'd probably just go on Saturday if I had a if I could afford eight hundred dollar tickets. But, <laughs> right. What do you yeah. What do you What do you, What do you guys think? What do you think, Matt? Um, I think in theory it's a really cool idea, but in practice it's a very very bad idea. Um. We saw my wife and I saw Kiss. Oof. It was the first year that they did Rock USA in Oshkosh, so three years ago. So I saw Kiss in '97 for the first time, and then I saw Kiss three years ago, and it was like night and day. Granted, it's a lot of time in between there, but I feel kind of going off of uh, what was uh, what Alex said is that um, 
they're old. Right. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it'd be really cool to see them, to see them, but you kind of have to go in there and understand like they are not young anymore and um, it might not be good. That's that's true. What do you think, Jansen? Yeah, I have to agree with both. Um, I, I think I, I saw Michael Jackson in 1984. Oh, damn. And I'll tell you what, like I didn't, I haven't seen him. Well, obviously not now, but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, the tickets were like, I don't know, 60 bucks. Right. But I, I find it crazy that they would charge more now for a performance that you know was way better in his prime. And that's the problem I have with any of these bands. Like I, uh, we, we opened for Joan Jett, my old band, and I, I do not like her at all. <laughs> and she was like insisting that there was no pictures taken or video during warm up or anything. And I was like, Lady, you you not only have you been done since 1985, like you should be thankful people are here. Like you should be yeah. asking for pictures. Right. And she was just like, I don't know. She was just like a like a jerk. Like I'm like, and my my singer idolized her, and she was actually almost in tears. She's like, I can't believe this. I'm like, stop idolizing 80s assholes. Yeah, never. You, you don't want to meet your hero it. sometimes. That's a problem. No, and that's why I'm glad mine are all. Japanese and they're modest and they are not even known. <laughs> <laughs> so with these guys, I'm uh, how many though? There's six of them. I, so I'm four for six on these guys. I've seen Dylan, Paul, Neil, and the Who. And uh, Dylan, like Alex said, uh, he is a niche show right now. To to put it kindly, he is. And then <laughs> and then Paul always brings it. Uh, Neil Neil Young's gonna get up there and, and bitch about Starbucks for two hours, because um, that's really just what he does now. I saw him last year at Farm Aid, and it was um, an interesting endeavor. And then when you look at Roger Waters, The Stones, and The Who, they're all gonna play their greatest hits because they're not making new music, whereas these other three guys are. So the one thing I that I can't really wrap my head around is that Friday night is the Rolling Stones and Bob Dylan in that order. So the Stones are going to bring it, and yeah, they're you know they are they're in their mid seventies, so they're going to bring whatever they can, and people are going to love it. It's going to you know people are going to be excited just to be there with the Rolling Stones, and the Rolling Stones, uh, actually, all of these guys, with the exception of Dylan, are very theatrical in their performances. They have fireworks and screens, and they dance around, and and they uh, they have big bombastic sounds. Uh, whereas Dylan, having seen him. Uh, Five times in the last six years, uh, I've seen him on every single tour he's had since I was like in, high, in like high school. Uh, he, what he'll do is he's going to get up there. He's not going to say a word to the audience. I think in all those times I've heard him say maybe three things to the audience. Um, he's going to point the stage lights at the audience and turn the lights on the stage off. He's not going to let them put it up on the big screens. And then he's going to wander around and murmur Frank Sinatra tunes. Like he sounds like he just like <laughs> swallowed a vat of gravel beforehand. And I just a picture, you know, 20,000 people there. They're just hyped off the Rolling Stones. And then all of a sudden he gets out there and he's just wow. wandering around the stage. So you know just just from your description, I might pay a thousand dollars. That just sounds fun. <laughs> no, I'm Once in a lifetime experience. Yeah, so I, that that kind of ba baffles me. So what I wanted to ask you guys is, uh, at least with Dylan, one thing I will definitely give him credit for is that he does make new music. He isn't afraid to get out there and say, "Screw you guys! I don't want to play like a Rolling Stone. I'm going to sing Lucky Old Son." And if he wants to do that, he can do that, and more power to him. How do you guys want? you know, artists 
of that you love. So whether that be Kiss or Paul McCartney or the Stones or Dylan, how do you want them to age in their careers? Do you want them to make new, exciting music? Do you want them to go on greatest hits tours? Do you want them to just bow out? A uh, journey on their last tour, and they they played like twenty four songs. Um, my wife was just like a pig and shit, but they played one new song. Everything else was a hit. And I'm like, that's the way it should be because that's what you're known for. I don't say that you shouldn't make new music because I, I don't believe you should ever stop creating, but people are paying to see you. I hate to say this, but people are paying to see a monkey dance. So dance monkey. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Once you reach that status, you pretty much are owned by your audience. Yeah, it, it's to me the scariest thing about being a musician is knowing no matter how famous you are, no matter what level, at some point the 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 popularity dies down. And if even if you're Paul McCartney, like oh, like a year ago, two years ago, he released new his uh, newest album. Does anyone really care? Is anyone really talking about it besides the hardcore Paul McCartney fans? And that's Paul McCartney, you know. Yeah. The same goes for Bob Dylan or really anyone. Like, unless you're a hardcore Bob Dylan fan or you're a uh, what have you, you're, he's not really on your radar anymore. So I'm not sure if it's like just naturally as a human being, like our our music becomes less compelling as we get older, or is it just like every artist just like has their limelight and they have to fade out no matter how like successful they are. And you can be like, you can be like a Paul McCartney kind of person and be like, well, you know, people know me for these hits. So I'm going to play the Beatles greatest hits and I'm going to play the Paul McCartney greatest hits. People are going to love the show. It's going to be amazing. And you know, it's not like any kind of mind altering or some kind of like compelling show, but it's what people paid the, uh, three digit, uh, dollar sign figure for. Or you can be someone like uh, Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins who is like, one day I'll get that hit again. One day the world will remember the Smashing Pumpkins and they'll remember how great I was. And at that point, you kind of have to just be like, you know, my limelight's over. So at least in my opinion, I think that a lot of bands get criticized for doing a greatest hit show. But I think if you're in a band, you can kind of feel out when it's time to start playing for the audience and not for yourself. Yeah. That's just my opinion yeah. as a music consumer, yeah. but as a musician, I mean, of course you're always just playing for yourself, but like as someone who paid the money to see it, I'd rather just hear the greatest hits and not, you know, whatever new stuff you're trying to pedal out. Right. You know, it's an excellent example. Actually, um, Prince. Yeah, Prince is an excellent example. He always made new stuff, released it for free. Um, he -hmm. played his hits and he played his new stuff. He he found a way to do both, though, and I think that is that's key. Yeah, it's just, and I I I personally like a lot of his stuff. I mean, it's just cool, like from a listener standpoint or from a musician standpoint. And um, I don't know. I I just I, I hope. I can get even a quarter of that. Like, I hope I can still make new things that make people happy and I still play if I ever have a hit, you know, or whatever, <laughs> a popular song. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, like me personally, uh, I'm always going to make new things. I, yeah, it's just, I mean, even if I upset, you're going to lose fans too. Like you're, it's just going to happen. Yeah. You know, it's just the, thing about evolving I, I think a lot of bands evolved the wrong way though i think they're they're forced into it rather than letting it happen naturally 
and you can hear the difference like from album to album you're like oh wait the label must have said hey you know don't do any more guitar solos because they're not in or do more guitar solos because they're in or get a new guitarist because he looks old and this guy looks young and girls will like him and all this stuff that actually has nothing to do with the true art form of it right and it, it depends i guess it depends as an artist what you really want like in the end you know some some people want to be famous and rich some want to be respected and you know uh followed and I don't know. I, right. I'll take any of it. I, honestly, I'll, I'll keep doing what I'm doing now. And all that stuff's going to be is just more than what I'm doing now. <laughs> so yeah. it sounds mm-hmm. like what would be good for an artist, uh, if possible, is if they want to play their new stuff and they have the right to do that, uh, having a good balance where maybe you sprinkle in your new things, but you are playing the things that people are still going to be satisfied with in order to create a good concert for them. Because while, while you guys are talking, I pulled up Dylan's latest set list uh, because he posts all of his set lists online. And I was reading through it, and the I probably about 70 to 80% of this set list was recorded in the last eight or nine years. Uh, I'm seeing it. Uh, where we go? Uh, Lovesick was 97. Tangled Up in Blue is obviously from the 70s but the vast majority of these things have changed beyond here lies nothing pay in blood that lucky old son the frank sinatra tune the vast majority of these are very recent uh, endeavors for him so perhaps uh what would be good for him at desert trip is to go out there and play tangle up in blue and mr tambourine man and blowing in the wind and uh hurricane and all these songs that people are expecting to hear and then maybe every three or four tracks of those play one of your Sinatra songs because then you yeah. give people uh, a balance of what it is they want to hear. Uh, that could be interesting. Yeah, yeah definitely. A um, truly complete show. Yeah, no, uh, a band that I think about that is a lot like that. Uh, one of my favorite, if not my favorite band blur uh, recently released a uh, new album. And before then for the past, like I'd say like, 10 years when they were on again, on again, off again, uh, had just been kind of playing the same show, you know, the greatest hits and a lot of draw, like a lot of backlash that just, you know, come on, like either play new stuff or don't keep charging people, you know, ludicrous, ludicrous amounts of money to just hear the same set list year after year. And I agree that is kind of obnoxious, but, uh, now, you know, with a new album out, you kind of integrate those, new songs in the middle of the set list and then you still end on the big hits and you still open up with the big hits. I don't think it's wrong necessarily to want to include new music. You wrote new music to play, but I think when you're consciously deciding I'm not going to play the hits or I'm not going to play the songs people know either to spite people or I don't know, or to just prove, you know, you're more than that. I don't think anyone's really winning with that. I think you're just kind of being arrogant just in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, very yeah. valid. So yep. anybody, yeah. if you it should be natural, if you want to indulge in the arrogance of these artists, weekend one is October 7, 8, and 9. <laughs> weekend two is October 14, 15th, and 16th. And uh, tickets are obviously not available. So you're going to have to go on StubHub and drop about 2000 bucks. So <laughs> there is that. This reminds me of uh, last, last summer here in Chicago, The Grateful Dead. Uh, had two two uh, sets at Wrigley Field, and they marketed it. No, sorry, they had it at Soldier Field, and uh, where the Bears play, and they marketed it as their farewell uh, 
tour, that this was the, these were the last performances the Grateful Dead were going to do. And what happened is, first of all, our city became a mess for two days. But what also happened is the secondhand tickets were selling for ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars because people thought this was the final time to see the Grateful Dead. And then less than six months later, they said, oh, yeah, we met John Mayer. We're going to go on tour with him. So one thing I have to at least oh. give these guys is at least they're not misre- misrepresenting this show. This You know what you're getting into. You know what, who the artists are. Yeah. Uh, they're not promising that this is anything special outside of the fact that they are all there together, which is definitely special. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's worth checking out if you live in California uh, or a baby boomer with some you know disposable income and you want to camp in the desert for two days. So because there's no hotels out there, so <laughs> which is apparently a lot of people, right? So. so okay, well that was good. Let's we're gonna shift gears a little bit and we're gonna talk about the independent scene now. We're gonna but we're gonna use Radiohead as a segue into it. Radiohead uh, about two weeks ago released their uh, new album called A Moon Shaped Pool. Now, as Radiohead is known to do, they released this record in a very bizarre way. They removed all their social media. They just put blank things all over it. It was clearly a PR stunt, but nobody really knew what they were doing. And then they dropped <laughs> the record on their website. It's not on streaming services. Uh, it's not yet available physically, but it will be. And the way you get it is you just go to their website and you pay. Uh, you pay, I think it's $11 for MP3 at 320 kilobits. And then you can also get the uncompressed files, which I'm a huge fan of. I'm really excited they're offering those. And uh, you just get the record, which I'm really cool with because that's just, hey, you know, just come buy this record in this spot if you want it. And we're not going to put DRM on it and you can get it in whatever quality you want. So can is it just Radiohead that can get away with this or do you think? independent bands for the future have to put their music everywhere or do you think that they can use methods like this what do you guys think what do you think matt um i think for newer bands you you have to you have to maximize visibility um because obviously if you aren't very well known or you don't have label backing or you don't have an extensive tour record putting your cd in one place and hoping people stumble upon it is not going to happen so you have to put it on streaming. You know, Spotify gives me a Discover Weekly playlist that's 95% crap, but there's 5% that I've never heard of that I fall in love with. So by putting your music on Spotify, you hope to end up on someone's Discover or any of the of the streaming playlists uh, or, or the streaming services. Um, so by releasing your album in one location, you have to have a following. You have to have enough people that care or some word of mouth you know you have to really hope that people are going to be like hey i found this record you really have to check this out um i feel it's a gamble it's definitely a gamble that i don't know if it's necessarily worth taking right what What do you guys think alex jansen um uh, you, you go first uh, okay <laughs> um i i mean from a personal experience i i i think there's no harm in releasing an album just with no kind of Build up or fanfare, just releasing it. Uh, personally, whenever I uh, released Yeezer, I didn't tell anybody. There's no uh, like build up to it, obviously, because no one cares, no one knows. So you just let the music speak for yourself, and it resonates with people. It resonates with people. Now, in terms of putting the music everywhere possible, um, I mean, I think it definitely helps your visibility. Uh, but I don't know. It's, it's hard to say because again, Radiohead's Radiohead. 
matter how, if Radiohead released one copy of the album on the top of some kind of abandoned building, people would still be losing their mind, and you know it'd be it'd be everywhere on the news. I mean, that's just how Radiohead does. Can every band get away with that? I don't think so. Um, but I think it definitely does say a lot about the music industry now, where the it's almost like you have people like Beyonce and uh, Death Grips, I believe. Uh, who else really? Uh, who else released uh, surprise albums recently? Whoever, whoever they may be, but um, nowadays it's actually more surprising if you just release an album conventionally with a uh, lead single a couple months before the album comes out. The album comes out on time in a traditional format. That's almost more of a surprise than actually like releasing surprise albums now, just because that seems like the way the music industry is. You don't, if you already have the hype building up. You don't need to hype it up anymore just to let the music speak so for, for you when you put out Yeezer, obviously Yeezer is a different beast because you can't put that on Spotify and iTunes and all that stuff. So of what was the I've been interested to know this. What is the what was the turning point for Yeezer where you put this out and it went from a couple of people downloading it to uh, front page of Pitchfork. What is what? Who, who? I guess what I'm asking is, what was the catalyst? Was there a specific person that you noticed shared yes. this, and then that's when it just ignited? Oh yeah. Um. Not to turn us into the user podcast, but um. Just uh, I'm quick, curious though because you are uh, an independent backstory. artist that uh yes. that you know this is the kind of thing people do. So please tell us. Yeah. Um. Well. Yeah. I'm interested too. So, I want to hear it. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad you guys are uh, interested. Um. So background of it really is I made it, uh, I put it on Reddit, uh, and I think the secret to it is is I'm not, not a huge Reddit user or whatever have you. I mean, like, I casually uh, browse the site. But if you post on, like, you know, specific uh, subreddits, you know, like the Weezer subreddit or the Kanye subreddit, there's a smaller knit community, so they'd be more interested in seeing like that. And from there, from that... You plant that small seed and it kind of grows into like a bigger uh, a bigger project. So you kind of have to – I mean in terms of user, it's kind of unfair to say it's all of a natural thing because of what I did. Because it is combining two popular artists. You can kind of use that to piggyback their popularity into your own. I mean I did it unintentionally, but it is true. It's not like it was like an, an original release that got like huge. But either way, uh, so put it on the Weezer subreddit. It kind of got some traction on Bandcamp or whatever. Uh, and then from there, uh, I think once it started getting some significant plays, I uh, I got contacted by a uh, guy from K-Rock, uh, Lightning, who uh, was just interested in doing a cover story about, or not a cover story, but just an article about user and about me. And from there, that kind of, I think, was the catalyst that, like, everyone was like, well, you know, what's going on with this? But honestly, it was, it's kind of hard to deal with, uh, with that kind of like sudden burst of popularity, just because most of the comments that I'd read on like social media were negative. Like most people were like, oh, this, this sucks. Who, who dare ruin Weezer <laughs> like this? You know, Kanye's a jackass. I hate him. And then, you know, I honestly got like death threats from people and stuff. So it, it's, it's, Wow. It's very crazy. Man. Yeah, it's very crazy how Jeez. how people are very uh, right. And and Rivers Cuomo kind of came your aid on that because he tweeted out and said, yeah. you know, like or hate Kanye, this is cool." Yeah, that's that's crazy. Uh, again, like 
yeah, from the K Rock thing, that kind of just blew up. And then I think once Weezer tweeted, I mean, obviously that kind of uh, took on a life it's, of its own. But it's it's hard to say when you're re- releasing original independent music, how do you go about uh, releasing it in a way that really catches people's attention? But I would say, I mean, for me, what worked was just you, you post it on websites or message boards that like are involved like with that kind of scene that would be interested in that. So, for example, you submit music to the jukebox. Cool plug for there you. There we go. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, people, yeah. people are interested in that scene who would want to hear it. And I think from there it can kind of catch on a life of its own. But if you're just posting it on like websites that are too general, like a general music board or like a general, like just like entertainment board, it's never going to catch on. There's too much stuff nowadays. You need to focus in on on it a little so bit social more. media is your best friend here is what you're it's what you're really saying is that at the end of the day yes. knowing your audience and knowing how to connect with them and for you it was reddit which actually doesn't surprise yeah. me because reddit is uh the front page of the internet for a reason if reddit likes something yeah. it will get half a million hits if reddit hates something it'll get half a million hits uh so <laughs> it's a great so and that could apply to an independent artist because an independent artist could mm-hmm. go into a subreddit that is specifically uh say like say you're a you're in a metal band uh metal guitarists they have a subreddit i'm sure they do you could go into that and say mm-hmm. look at our metal guitarist um you guys may be interested in this and maybe that catches on from there and then it goes to a different subreddit they share it on their on their twitter and blah 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 it all goes down the chain so uh what do you do you, what what do you guys think are the tools that should be in each artist toolkit. What are the social networks that you guys have found success with? Obviously, Alex has found success with Reddit. Have you guys found other platforms that you like? Oh, that's that's um, hard, I, man. Uh, Jansen here. I found, for me personally, I, SoundCloud. <laughs> it, uh, actually, Bray, ever since you and I did that podcast, I don't know if your friends listen to me or your friends' friends or whoever – but I had like I had to upgrade my SoundCloud because I actually ran out of room, and I had to redo it. I had to redo my entire page. I actually ran out of room and everything, and um, so I reset all my plays and everything. But I had a hell of a lot more. And then um, I I try to use everything. I don't I don't really use facebook too much because it only goes to your friends like you don't break out unless one of your friends shares it with one of theirs and and that that's just that's a lot but um i i've been fortunate as far as myself just networking with other people like in different countries i had to hit um actually every continent and with and i've been actually working with people i worked with a guy in australia and, and then now norway and japan so their friends now hear me and I have more plays and more and more. And it's just, it's, a, it's such a small scale, but the past two weeks for me, actually, I, I had a man, it's a little never on our magazine and I got man of the week and I, it was just weird to me, <laughs> but they, they took a bunch of pictures and you know, really cool. So I'm going to oh, use those for, yeah, man, I'm excited. You know, like it's like small scale, but it, it's like you guys were saying how one thing starts it and feeds oh, off the other after the other. And, and, and that's what like, that's what's happening. And the past, God, I guess six months actually, but the past month has been like a complete like boom. 
Like I put up a I put up a video today of me playing my new guitar and like it was not even it was sloppy. It was just me noodling, shreddy, blah blah blah, 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 blah you know. And but I was excited because I I loved I loved it and um it had like 400 views in like not even an hour and I was like what oh it's crazy but I'm like I put up songs that I work weeks on and get nothing I'm like <laughs> oh my goodness this, the quality so much better and but I, I mean I know how people's attention spans are and you know it's it's a uh, it's like you guys said it's a gamble but um I, I'm all about utilizing anything I possibly can and networking I think that's the key I think that's always been because there was no internet in the 70s and 80s and we are paying literally fifteen hundred two thousand dollars to see people that played in the 70s and 80s so i mean if they did it with minimal uh, interaction as far as with the world just by word of mouth because that's what it gets down to even on the internet it's word of hey check this band out you might not say it but you type it so and that's how like I want to I want to hear your guys' stuff now. Actually, I'm very like very curious because I, I love new music and stuff. So and that I'm like talking with you is really cool. So, so Matt, well, yeah. that that well, first of all, the, the most important thing Jansen said is send your music to jukeboxpodcast at gmail dot com. No, I'm just kidding. I can't. <laughs> yes, but yes. seriously, send us our send us your music, people. We'll probably we might play it. Uh, but Matt, what is what have you found has been useful for you to have in your toolkit with your band and your music? I'm really a bad case study for this because it's been eight years since I released okay. music and social media has changed so drastically. Um, but I guess my intent is to, with our upcoming EP this this late fall, will be you know just Bandcamp and, and SoundCloud and, and just putting it out there. Now, we're we're now of the mindset where like I'm not gonna get famous anymore. I'm not going to get signed. We're just doing this for fun. It's bar league softball to us. So we're taking a more relaxed approach. Does that mean that I don't want people to hear it? Absolutely not. Because I love people hearing my music, even if they hate it. It's like, I made that. What have you made today? Um, <laughs> so, right, 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 right. right. But, uh, you know, and, and that's the thing, like with heavy music, people are always like, how can you, how can you play that? I'm like, I don't know. It's more fun than not playing it. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I very cool. Um, yeah, so I, maybe I'll throw it on Reddit, and then the internet will hate me, and then I'll, I'll yeah, you'll get shame. all the down votes, and people will yell at you. That's Reddit, you know. You can no, that is absolutely yeah. Reddit. <laughs> um, but I also I also That's have scary. the unique the unique uh, ability of a podcasting platform now. You know, uh, in recent times I've gone on podcasts, and people are always like, "Well, tell us about your band," and I'm like, "What?" Why? Why do you want to know about that? I'm not here because of that. But um, so I'm gonna see where pod, you know, hawking my music on podcast. Very cool. Well, two suggestions I would throw out there that I use for my music, and I know that I've had great success getting artists for the jukebox with these. Is one Bandcamp is your best friend nowadays. Uh, it really is a well-designed platform. Uh, and I would recommend tying back into our first discussion. I would highly recommend any independent artist out there that if you're putting stuff out on Bandcamp, just make it available for free with the option with the option to tip you because you will be surprised that people will send you tips every now and then, but your numbers will go way up in comparison if you're just putting a dollar amount on that work. And if this is something you just want people to listen to, oh, yeah. Bandcamp does that really, really well. Uh, the other website that I have become very fond of. It's called noisetrade.com. Now, Noise Trade is a really sharp website. Uh, it's really well organized, really great music. 
Uh, it organizes the music well. They curate a homepage. And uh, basically everything on Noise Trade is free. So you have the option to tip them just like Bandcamp. And it ties into their Facebook and their Twitter and their bio and their credits. And it's actually, I think the interface of it is even preferable to Bandcamp. Uh, it's really well done. And I know that yesterday's jukebox that aired about half of those artists I discovered on noise trade. Cause I'll spend three, four hours and just go way down the rabbit hole, like 30 pages into a genre. And that's where I'll find a lot of artists. So, uh, my suggestion to people who are listening is that utilize things like Bandcamp, like, you know, like, like Reddit, uh, face Facebook, maybe have a Facebook, uh, public page instead of your own personal page. That way everyone can see it. Uh, and maybe try Noise Trade because that's a that's a good site, and I'm not I'm not sponsored by them to say that. I just nice. I think it's <laughs> a good platform. I have to ask you, Brett it's Jansen here. Um, how did you find me? Ooh, how did I find you? <laughs> that's a good question because I, I played you on like that. the first or the second jukebox, didn't I? Yeah, I was wondered that. I, was, I never got to ask. You know, that's <laughs> a great like, question, and I wish I could remember. <laughs> it's okay because it, we were complete strangers, and I'm like, I, I want to really say that I found advertise. you. I want to say I found you on SoundCloud because oh, cool. what I'll do. So this is a little insight into the creation of the jukebox. Is I'll sit down and I'll spend like eight or nine hours going through Noise Trade and SoundCloud and. Uh, Reverb Nation. Are you on Reverb Nation? That's might be where I found you. Yeah, that's where yeah, I found actually, you. I, I found you there. Updated it finally. Yeah, and here's the thing. I, I, I personally, I hate Reverb Nation. I think it. Yes. I think it looks like MySpace. Oh, yeah. It's just awful. Yeah, but um, but it has some good music on it. And uh, yeah. so what I'll do is I'll just I'll just search. You know, I'll uh I'll click like I'll go on Noise Trade and I'll click uh jazz music if I want to find a jazz track. And then I'll scroll through a bunch of stuff, and then what I'll do is I'll go to like the 30th, 40th page, see stuff that looks interesting, and just control-click it so it goes into a new tab. And then before the end of it, I have, you know, a hundred tabs I'm just sorting through. And that's how I find this music. And I can tell you guys that uh, if you have your music available on platforms like that, if someone hears it on the jukebox or finds it on Reddit or something, Noise Trade and Bandcamp make it easy for people to actually uh download that music for hopefully for free uh nice. which is cool so moving on a little bit what do we got here okay so we are going to now talk about our fallen idols uh musicians who have passed away so uh what i want to talk about is how we tribute the heroes who have died so obviously we've lost quite a few heroes this year and when that happens an array of artists kind of come out of the woodwork to pay homage in a huge variety of ways. So when David Bowie passed away, Lady Gaga was criticized for her homage of, of his music, and then Lord was lauded for hers. And then last week, or rather this week, Madonna opened up the Billboard Music Awards with her Prince tribute, and everyone hated her for it. So, wow, yeah, people did not like that, and I didn't really see the problem. Uh, and maybe that's because I love, I love. Uh, Stevie Wonder, and she played with Stevie Wonder. So, what nice. my question is for you guys is, what is the best way for when an artist passes away? How do we tribute them? How do we pay homage to them? Do we, uh, do we mimic them in the in the vein of of Lady Gaga and try to do something like that, very theatrical, or do we do something like Lord, where Lord just went out there and played Life on Mars, and everyone loved her for it? What do you guys think? What do you think, Alex? 
Um, well, first off, I'm really glad that you said you did not see the problem with the Madonna performance because I guess that kind of uh, goes into my opinion on it is I think we need to stop treating musicians as like gods or as yeah. anything other than what they are. And it's just talented people. And I, I, I think the reason why artists like David Bowie and Prince will be eternally ingrained into uh, society is because they advanced with the time. They, they evolved with the generation. They were never see, seen as dated. And I think a lot of people, I'll just be honest, I think a lot of people didn't like the Lady Gaga performance. And they didn't like the Madonna performance because it was a Lady Gaga performance or a Madonna performance. They put too much weight into who's performing and not into the actual uh, music itself. Uh, granted, I didn't love the Lady Gaga performance. I thought the Madonna performance was uh, all right. Um, I think people were kind of getting too hung up on the thing like, uh, oh, Madonna Stallion, uh, Prince's Purple Throne, how how horrible, <laughs> you know, no respect to the arts. And it's like, come on, like, they're people at the end of the day. These aren't like religious figures. And I think that adds some kind of, I don't think Madonna did it maliciously or like, now I now I'm the king of uh, pop or now I'm Prince. Like it's a tribute at the end of the day. It's it's out of a goodness of your heart. I think it's nice just to be remembered. And I don't think people who don't even personally know Prince or personally know David Bowie need to go down someone's throat about something that an artist who probably did know David Bowie or an artist who probably did know Prince sees fit as a way to tribute them as musicians. And right. As what do you think, Jansen? I totally agree with that. Um, I didn't see any of the performances, but I see nothing wrong with anyone paying homage to someone they liked in any, if they pay homage to like, say if uh, one of my heroes died, like uh, Noobu Uematsu, the Final Fantasy composer, if he died, I would redo as much Final Fantasy music as I can. And I wouldn't care if people were like, Oh, he used trumpets there. Not, not lead sounds. What are you doing? I'll be like, this is my version. Like, like this is, I'm what, what are you complaining about? If you want his version, just listen to it. It's already recorded. I mean, what is wrong with yeah. you? And I, I don't know. I, I, I never, even if I don't like the artist, like I, I do like Madonna and some Lady Gaga songs. I like too. Like I, I don't, put them on like regularly but they don't bother me and um I, I just i don't see a problem with anything i think i think people are just like they just want to complain because if there was no tribute they'd be complaining about that too well, how come they didn't do a tribute how come there's no tribute and these are all non-musicians yeah. this, <laughs> which cracks me up it's <laughs> like like uh, I think, oh, that, I think it was you that said where's where's your you know song of the day where's your tribute like it's, it's ridiculous, man. Like, I don't know. Like, what, what do people want? Like, <laughs> you can never right. satisfy them completely. What do you think, Matt? So, um, I, and I, oh, sorry, go I, ahead, just, I, I just like that they did that. Very good. Well, what do you think, Matt? Um, they both made really good points. I'm glad Alex said that, like, pe- people need to understand that musicians are just people. Uh, too often, I, f- I feel like like uh, when Michael Jackson died and people like gathered around his house. Yes, pay your respects, do what you have to do. But like, I don't know. I I think there's, oh man, I might get some hate for this. But like, there's, they're just people, 
but as a society, yeah, no, you you're so right. much stock on these, these these people above you, and you they they give like God status, and it's like your God, your whole world just died because Michael Jackson is no longer on this earth. It's like, uh, maybe you should like take take the next one off, like take an inning out or something, because you you really need to reevaluate right. your life. Um, and 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 going off of what Jansen said is like people will complain. No matter what you do, you do too much, they're going to complain. You do too little, they're going to complain. You do it well, they're going to complain. It wasn't good enough. You do it bad, they're going to complain because it was right. bad. <laughs> there's just no, there's no pleasing everyone. And unfortunately, we've all chosen to be in uh, the entertainment industry where, for some reason, the people who have the least involvement with the actual creating <laughs> process are the yes. most judgmental people there are. Um, so we, true. I did a recently did a podcast on the movie Strangeland, which is the D Snyder movie. I love that movie. I defended it. The guy I do the show with did not care for it. And some girl called us fat hipster losers because she's a huge D My Snyder fan. Goodness. And she's like, what did you, what, what did you guys do? And I'm like, I don't know, man, I have a record you can buy in Europe and this dude draws comic books. So what have you done today? Yeah. Um, well, everybody, hate tweets at Matt, the lifeguard. Um, just <laughs> want to send your hate to Matt. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, and and you know what? I have to say that I am guilty of this to some extent because when when Lou Reed passed away, do we have any Lou Reed fans here? Okay, we got we got one Lou Reed fan. Uh, so I love Lou Reed very dearly. Okay, and. When Lou Reed passed away, I was really hoping that it was right. You know, the Grammys were coming up and I hoped like, yeah, I hope that they, you know, do something really cool for Lou Reed. I hope that they get someone out there to play uh, Walk in the Wild Side or Perfect Day or whatever they want to do. And I hope they do it really well because he was so important to me in my artistic development. And then instead, they didn't do anything except Metallica came out played one of their songs but the guitarist was wearing a Lou Reed t-shirt and and I here's the thing I am guilty of what we are talking about because I turned that off and I was like where's my Lou Reed tribute uh and yeah. so you guys are right you you can never please everybody and I think someone like Madonna someone like Lady Gaga completely gets destroyed for that but you know what they went out and they did it they're singing up there with Stevie Wonder while everyone's down in the you know the the gulags just complaining about them and that's and admirable. There's, there's still Madonna and there's still Lady Gaga. <laughs> they still have their status. They still yeah. have their money. They still can do whatever they want. So they probably don't care that. Well, no, they, I'm sure they care, but I think they're, you know, they're like, well, I mean, hey, you know, I'm going to go home to my giant house and you're going to go home to your yeah. house. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you have to assume that there was at least a portion of it was some sort of a PR stunt. Right. Yeah. Do you think do you think Madonna really cares that Prince You know, died? I think so maybe, because maybe she not. posted up a photo of her I, and him and I'm not saying a photo means anything they could have hated each other. But I I would think that someone in her position would have at least a great appreciation for him. Oh, no, but yeah, you don't no, know. they're friends. They're actually friends. They're oh, really? actually, they're actually oh, okay. friends uh, like uh, not I don't know about recently. I mean, they're not enemies, but they did like do things for each other and stuff. Like they actually you know, but I mean, it's, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people take the opportunity and, and I'm just saying like, this is normals. These are normies we're talking about now. Like when, when David Bowie died, all of a sudden everyone and their mother was a David Bowie fan and posted yep. his picture. And it's like, if 
a week ago, I never would have known you like David Bowie. So people, Facebook has turned us into a world of like, look at me, <laughs> everything sucks. Feel yeah. bad for me. Click that people. like button I, on I my photo. <laughs> Right, yeah. right. It's like we have to find more ways to tell these people that we like what they're doing. Like, I like that steak that you're eating. Um, <laughs> people need to like freaking go outside. Yes, and like, ah, sorry, sorry. No, I see what you're Not saying right. because at the end of the day, with all of these tributes, with all these different things, it's a personal thing. At the end of the day, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, if you, yeah. like personally, for me. Uh, I have an immense appreciation for, for Prince's music. It's not something I turn on casually. I, I love him as yeah, a performer, absolutely. and I think the kind of music he made was awesome. In fact, some of my favorite records are records he produced for other people. I love his Mavis Staple records from the 90s. Uh, so I appreciate him. So for me to step back and just see anybody uh, you know, tip their hat to him in any way, I just think the act of doing it, yeah, it's probably a PR stunt or whatever, but unless you can do it better, I don't think anyone should yeah. really complain about it. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a PR stunt, but at the end of the day, it's it's the same way as people who you might like, oh, well, they don't really care about helping kids in Africa. They just did it for the publicity or whatever. It's like at the end of the day – you still did it. You still helped someone or you still yeah, provide yeah. some kind of service. Everybody it's the same way where it's like, it, yeah, even if Madonna now granted, I, I I've recently read that those like voluntourism, whatever you call them trips are not beneficial, but still, I mean, you, you get what the metaphor is yeah. in the same way where it's like, was maybe Madonna wasn't the biggest Prince fan in the world, but at the end of the day, you're still in some way, preserving or spreading the music of Prince. And I think Prince as a person would appreciate that regardless of whether or not Madonna knows every Prince song by heart. And I mean, just from a personal experience, like I, I I can't pretend like I was really moved when Prince died. I didn't listen to Prince. I don't like, I I appreciate what Prince did, but I don't love Prince. I don't listen to his music. He's not on my radar. David Bowie, a little bit different. I, felt strongly when he passed away because i personally was more into his music but i i can't pretend like i can't pretend like it's like well you know you're just saying that because you're a david bow you, you just want to look cool that you care that david bowie is dead i agree that there's definitely like in this generation there's a a wave of i need to pretend like i care so i can look cool it's cool to care nowadays like no matter what social issue it is, I need to like put my opinion in it so people know not only that I'm aware, but I care about it, you know. And that kind of leads to like a society of, I think sociopath is kind of a strong word. We're self-indulgent. Care not, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, exactly. It's not for the right reasons, but you know, at the end of the day, even if it's not for the right reasons, if you're still doing good things and you're still trying to be sentimental or emotional <laughs> i'd rather have that than people who are just like you know screw everything everything sucks and i'm gonna you know why do you care about anything i don't know i i as someone who uh is relatively younger you know wasn't that long ago where i think we all go through that phase where we're all like i hate everything you know like who cares about anything it's all just meaningless you know that nihilistic view of the world but 
uh, I don't know. I'd rather just care right. about things and just. And be I think we're going to start seeing, unfortunately, over the next uh, year, two years, five years, ten years. Uh, we're going to start seeing this every month, right? Like, I hate to say it, yeah. but, but oh, we yeah. talk about people who are idolized. People who are idolized are on their way out the door, unfortunately. Yeah, so we, there's we going to be idols. a day. Yeah, we do. And there's going to be a day yeah. when yeah. Bob Dylan dies, and I'm just going to be devastated. <laughs> and there, yeah. and, and all those different things. And so I think as a society and a music culture, we need to just start accepting that when people throw their hat in the ring to support these artists after they passed away, just be happy they're doing it and just be happy someone's remembering. Because anyone who's complaining yeah. about uh, Madonna's tribute, what if Madonna you know, hadn't done that tribute? You guys alluded to that earlier. What if they had just ignored Madonna? I mean, sorry, ignored Prince at, the, at that Billboard Music Awards and never done anything. So just be happy it's happening. Yeah. Uh, this was a great discussion. I want to segue us a little bit to our closing discussion. So this is kind of just to bring everything to a to a close. Uh, I want to go through all three of you, and I want to talk about you as independent artists. So as you guys are growing as indie artists, what do you find most rewarding? What do you find most challenging? And what are some goals that you have for yourself? So why don't we start with you, Jansen? What are what do you find rewarding, challenging, and what goals do you have? Well, um, rewarding is basically every time I find a new make a new sound on my synth like i actually make my own sound so i'm like yeah um challenging is putting it in a song that to me makes sense because most people my music doesn't make sense to i don't mean to sound like like arrogant i mean it actually is like what <laughs> like what, what, what is this but um <laughs> and i'm like oh you know it's like i always say it's like video game music because to me it's the easiest way to explain because uh, I do all kinds of things, like I do rock and metal, and and like death metal, and 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 just piano, like so, you know, that's the category it fits in best. But um, I love. My, oh, sorry, go actually, ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna oh, say go I love your recent endeavors of um of like what is it, like this like space opera with cats or something. <laughs> I love it. Oh, they sound so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's great. My, my uh, so yeah, that just. That feeds into you, all this eclectic things you're doing. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, my goals, um, I'm actually moving to Seattle at the end of the year with my girlfriend. Uh, I'm going to start my schooling for the video game composition, and NES is right there in Seattle. So that's what I'm aiming for, and I hope to find like another band. Uh, this is why I'm not in any bands now. I had to kind of close everything down for saving money and you know, yada, yada, yada. Because Seattle is literally like three thousand miles from where I am now, so it's going to take a lot of gas money to get there and all that. But, um, and I hope, even if I'm, I'm going to ask them about guys. I'll clean the toilets. I don't care. I'll work my way up. I'm not afraid to uh, show ambition. You know, I'm, I'm very motivated. Like I'll, I'll, I'll clean forests for five years as long as it's in this building, and I'll show you music here and there, and you guys can let me know. If I can work for right. you, and so everyone and knows composer. NES is uh, Nintendo Entertainment oh, System. Nintendo. It's Nintendo. Yeah, sorry. So, yeah, yeah, just so people know. Yeah, that's awesome. And what do you find challenging as as an artist when you're growing? Honestly, at this point in my life slash career, I guess um, finding motivated people. 
Uh, around here, it's everybody wants to make the T-shirt and nobody wants to practice. <laughs> you know, like it's yeah. I'm a big, 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 big adamant about practice, like band practice and stuff. Like I'm not like a Nazi about it, but like if you are in a band that has like whatever ten songs, you should probably get together at least once a week for two hours. And to me, if you can't commit to that, I mean then you probably shouldn't be in a band. Maybe you should wait or I don't know. I around It's how it is around here. It's a lot of very unmotivated people. And then they do join a band. And then like a month later, they're like, oh, well, my girlfriend's mad at me or my boyfriend's mad at me or someone's mad at me. So I can't practice today. I can't, I can't put this two hours a week into doing this. It's just, it right. blows my mind. But, um, well, you are most yeah, certainly not alone with that. I can tell you that uh, every cla- collaborative effort I have been involved with musically to some extent has uh, been put to a halt because of uh, unreliable, unresponsible people. And that is that's just that comes with the territory of being an independent musician. And a lot of the reason personally the jukebox is a one mic show and i when i record my music i record all my own instruments which doesn't make it too feasible for me to perform it live the way it's in the studio but i do all this because at the end of the day then i answer to me uh which i like but for an artist like you who would who who uh can do so well in a band setting i could see why that could be so frustrating for you and i hope that you find that out in seattle i hope that you find people who are more willing to put their best foot forward make music with you Oh, that'd be great. So, <laughs> wow, so cool. wow, that'd be great. So, let's. What about you, Matt? What do you find challenging, rewarding? What are your goals? Um, man, uh, just getting <laughs> spending a nice summer afternoon in a basement to write music, um, and seeing what five separate minds can come together and create is it's it's like it, man it, it's like a feeling that no one understands unless you've done it and um to me that's like the most rewarding thing is when a song comes together and you can show it to someone and it's like yeah it's like it's like making a child right you know yeah. I mean? it's like i made a music baby yeah and um and, and and when you do something and people look at you and you're like wow that's you like yeah yeah, like yeah, that's totally me, and, and that to me is just and that all wraps into live performance too. And it's like just there's no feeling, there's no feeling like creating and performing art. Absolutely. And what do you find to be challenging about that? Um, man, uh, we live 120 miles apart, so I drive two hours each direction just for band practice. Um, so getting together for practice is really challenging, but the actual performing and writing aspect is, um, I find it challenging to always come up with like new, new ways to make drum sounds, you know, like new drum fills and new drum beats and things to always progress as, as a musician and, and always right. be better. Very cool. So what, then let's, let's, let's shift to Alex. What do you find, uh, as an independent artist now you're, you, you are, do you play an instrument, Alex, or do or do you do a lot of DJing and, and mix and mashing and producing? Uh, I play bass. I'm not really good at it, but okay. So you're it, so so, so you're, you're uh, experience as an independent musician 
is a little bit different because with Jansen and Matt, the you know they play traditional instruments. They are in bands. They go to practice. Yeah. Uh, for me, I I do all my stuff by myself. Uh, for you, you're doing uh, stuff like Ezer. So what is it? Uh, what do mm-hmm. you find rewarding and challenging? And what do you hope to do? Well, um, in terms of rewarding, I mean, just specifically from user, I, I, I think it's really, I, I don't know. It, I don't consider myself a musician. I think my, my friend Ben is a musician. I think I'm an entertainer. So for me, you know, the, the goal is to entertain people. So when you have like as like big of a reaction as you do in terms of uh, like the project you do, you get like emails from like Norway or wherever the people are emailing you from, I think that's rewarding for me. Just the fact that like, even if people hate it, the fact that like it resonates with people enough to like want to write about it or think about it for more than like five seconds uh, to me is just really nice and humbling. Um, But in terms of like what I do, uh, I mean, I do mashups, but I also compose like original stuff. So like really what I do is I like write out demo tracks and my, uh, uh, program, a music program, Logic. And I mean, I can't really play instruments. So I kind of like, in a way, it's kind of like writing like sheet music. I kind of just like map out like what this should sound like, whatever. And then I have like my friend Ben who plays guitar, uh, you know, actually play it. And like, it sounds like real music. Uh, nothing's really released yet. And the issue with that is just because I'm not trying to throw anyone under a bridge or anything. I mean, that's the last thing I, I mean to do. But it's like you guys were saying is that it really is like a certain level of dedication, motivation, and you kind of have to like live and breathe it. And I don't know. I I think it's sometimes people have it, sometimes people don't. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean that in the way where for me, working like eight hours a day on music to me isn't a job at all. It's just what I do to like, you know, live. It's like, it's how I think. It's like what I want to do. I just go for it. And at least like in my like real life, like in my day to day life, it's hard to meet people who have that same mindset where they're so passionate about something or so interested in something that that's what they like to do when they're free in their free time. Like that's how they consider themselves relaxing or like, yeah, they they don't see it as a job or anything. So for me, I feel kind of limited because it's like I have so many ideas and there's so much I want to do, but it's just hard to connect with the people and meet the people who also have that same ambition and passion and have that same like idea of like what music should sound like or like what it right. should be played like. Well, very cool. So. And I think I can speak for the three of us and uh, anyone listening that uh, I hope the jukebox fosters collaboration. So if anyone wants to, <laughs> wants to help Alex out yeah. on his endeavor and infuse <laughs> some, you know, instruments into that and Calm stuff, down. Uh, hit him <laughs> yeah. up. You guys are oh, yeah. awesome, man. Yeah, guys. Absolutely right here, love band. We got you guys, a band man. Right you guys here. are like just <laughs> – where, um, where does everybody live really quick? I, I don't – I didn't – I was, wasn't here in the beginning. I'm sorry. I am in Chicago. I'm in just south of Green Bay, Wisconsin. Wow. I am in Pittsburgh. Oh. All right. It's Two Pennsylvania. Right. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> the beauty of the jukebox. Yeah. Well, all of you, <laughs> I want you all to come back on the roundtable again if you guys would yeah. like to. And, uh, we're going to, we're going to wrap it up. So, uh, I guess I wanted to keep this right around an hour and a half, which is right where we're at, uh, going around the table really quick. Uh, let me know where, where we can find you, 
what we should be looking for, uh, you know, your Twitter, your website, where you want people to go, all that good stuff. Alex, let us know. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Chucky Neat. Nugget. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. I tweet sometimes funny things. I think they're funny. Uh, in terms of music, you can follow me on SoundCloud, Chucky Nugget. Uh, I usually uh, I haven't uploaded anything recently, but we will be changing that soon. Uh, All right. Yeah, and Jansen, it. where can people find you at? What should we be looking out for? Okay. Uh, you could actually the easiest would just look just Jansen Harris um, and everything's from there. Cause I, I have like oh, I have like five Internet projects that are almost finished. So but my solo stuff will be on like my Facebook. So make great. it easy or great. SoundCloud. But yeah, go to Facebook. It's easier. Okay, great. And Matt, where can people find your band at and all your good stuff, your podcast that you do? Uh, oh, boy. Um, you can find me personally on Instagram and Twitter at Matt the Lifeguard. Um, our Facebook for the band is Drown the Lifeguard. Uh, I do the podcast, the podcast of Terror on Galactic Nutcasts. And then uh, as we talked pre-show, I also have a music slash MMA podcast coming out on Blazing Caribou midsummer. Very probably. cool. All right. Well, right on. And I'm also going to be on Blazing Caribou with a new show. So uh, we'll have to we'll have to, you know, get on each other's shows there and do something with that. Oh, absolutely. You're you you have an open invitation to be on uh, Podcast of Terror or uh, Rounds of Breakdowns. I would love it. So, guys, that is going to do it for myself, for Jansen Harris, for Matt Stein and for Alex Hodewanik. If you want to get the jukebox, you can get it at jukeboxpodcast.com. Follow all three of these wonderful guys. Their music's worth keeping tabs on. And that's going to do it for us. Here's an outro. The Jukebox Podcast is available on all platforms and podcast directories. Visit the show at jukeboxpodcast.com for more content. Or email us at thejukeboxpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy the Jukebox podcast, please consider rating it on the iTunes store or in the podcast directory of your choice.